I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 176 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we have another interview. This time, it's with Dan Hoogley of Focusrite. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we don't index our URL. In this week's Better Podback, we take your feedback, including from our Discord server and a special one about the Zoom L12. And I'll kick it all off with a smart home-related How I Save My Podcast story. Lauren, go! Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say that Stargate Pioneer is once again here. Please, Stephen, call me SP. I've been telling you that for 176 episodes. I think you would get that by now. I get nothing. I pick up nothing fast at all. If you are checking out the show for the first time today, you probably don't know this, but we like to kick it all off with what we call a How I Saved My Podcast Story. This is where we encourage you to tell us a little bit about something that went wrong with your podcast, how you solved the problem, and thus you saved your podcast. And every now and then, we like to inject our own How I Saved My Podcast story. And guess what? Today is one of those days. Did you guess that, Stargate Pioneer? I did, because originally I was going to go with a How I Saved My Podcast story. But then you said, oh, no, no, no. Nay, nay, nay. I have one, too. And since you produced the show, well, I guess you get top billing for this. So for all of you that hate hearing more from me, you can blame Stargate Pioneer because he conceded. So moving on to the actual... I'm not conceded. I conceded to Stevens how I saved my podcast story. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Really? <laughs> no, not at all. The how I saved my podcast story is actually an interesting one where Stargate Pioneer was not actually conceded when this happened because this was on this very show. And don't worry, I'll give you full credit in a second here, SP. You know... This How I Save My Podcast story comes because of smart devices that I have. So let's back up here and explain what I've got going on in my studio, because this actually happened for this show. And if you have not checked out the video side of the things with better podcasting, I actually have a few different lights in play for my studio. I have two front lights and I have a backdrop that is illuminated that has different colors depending on the show that I'm on. You can find that at betterpodcasting.com if you would like. Check out any of the videos, you'll quickly see what I'm talking about. So because I have all of these lights involved, the way that they work is they're actually smart lights that are controlled 
by smart technology. Some of them are scalable or variable of the different color of white, because if you're not familiar with that, lights themselves can have different types of white. Usually a light that you see, like a regular light, is sort of known as a warm white, which is kind of leaning a little bit more yellow. And when you have a camera set up properly and whatnot, generally the way it works is those sort of yellowish colored lights actually end up looking very yellow on camera as well. Sometimes you want to go ahead and dim the lights a little bit so you're not all washed out. And this is what I have going on with my setup is I have a bunch of smart lights, colored, full color changing backdrop lights and some adjustable white lights in front of me that I have set to the levels that I've basically dialed in that I feel is a good balance for the setup that I've got. Well, these lights connect to something called a smart home hub. Essentially, it's the brains that control these lights. And at the time, they were hooked up to a product called Wink. When I got into smart home automation, I settled on basically making the backbone, the hub, off of a technology called Wink because it seemed like it was going to be the best bang for the buck in availability in Canada and was really the best balance for my setup. And we had a bit of a interview scheduled a few weeks ago with, if you missed it, Craig Reeves from Mackie. And the way that we scheduled this was, well, I'm in the Pacific Coast. So it worked out to be essentially 45 minutes after I got off of work. So the idea was I got off work, bolted home, got set up, ready to go to record the interview. Yes, we did record that interview ahead of time, but we didn't record it live. And as I go to do, usually I sit down and I have it programmed so that I have one set of automation basically configured for better podcasting and one for the gunnageek.com show so that the color of the backdrop light, the light brightness, all that is coordinated with the applicable show. So I went to go and run this, but before I did that, I realized that I had another piece of home automation not working right in my house. Something wasn't responding. And so I went and I tried to run the automation in my den to get my lights to go. And they did not function properly. So I quickly reached out because uh, none other than Chris Farrell, my co-host over on the guineageek.com show, he also has a Wink setup. And I asked him, hey, is your stuff working? And he was very quick to respond. And he said, no, there is an outage. And he sent me a link and I checked and confirmed that there was an outage, which is a problem because as I mentioned, the lights have to be a specific color and brightness in order to look proper on the camera. And again, 45 minutes after I got off of work. Now, the good news is that I was able to go and move all of my light bulbs over to a different setup because for a few weeks prior, I managed to, I was basically trying an alternative to that Wink platform because Stargate Pioneer actually picked it up. It's something called Samsung Smart Things. It's the same idea as my Wink. It's, it's a hub, the backbone essentially. And I've been having a weird, a few weird things happen with my Wink setup. So I've managed to score a deal and I thought, okay, this is a good try time for me to try this. I had a couple of lights configured on there, nothing in my den. And so basically 20 minutes before we were supposed to start the interview, I frantically ran around resetting all of my light bulbs, getting them back to factory so that I could link them up with this alternative hub that I happen to have there and get it all set up. Now, the good news about that was I was able to go into the app 
and look at all of the settings that I had. So the color of the light, the brightness of the light, because again, they do dim a little bit and get it all so that it matched my week to week settings that I usually used. Now, the good part about this, the part that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, I was going to mention here was Stargate Pioneer was really reassuring to me. He said to me, Stephen, I'll do what I can to get everything else ready. He was getting the document all updated, making sure we were all ready to go while I went around frantically resetting my whole setup. And this involved resetting two front lights, three overhead lights, and one backdrop light that I have. All of these I had to relink up. And it actually wasn't the easiest in the world to do because of the fact that some of the light bulbs, there was a bit of a configuration issue between the two, but I was, I had previously tested these because I thought maybe I might want to have them as backup, this smart things hub. And I was prepared to go ahead and move all of my lights over so that we could record the interview like it usually looks and would look the following week when we recorded the rest of the pieces that we would insert the interview in. Again, as I mentioned, the interview was pre-recorded. So through the support of Stargate Pioneer and being able to basically hold down and get everything together that we needed to get together before the interview while I frantically ran around and reconfigured my whole setup, I was able to save this podcast better podcasting. And one thing that I do want to mention here is that this has made me really sort of think a little bit about the backup options that I have. I still have a couple dumb bulbs that I used to use before I got into the home automation. I'm going to, I think, take those and put those in a little box somewhere as like a break in case of emergency situation so a that I've got those. Box. Yeah, maybe a lockbox or something like okay. that just so the kids can't break them. But have that there because while I probably would have looked a little bit overexposed, my backdrop would have been a little dimmer than usual. It would have been better than being completely blown out with light and having a bunch of yellow cast light on my face where I looked like I was recording, I don't know, in a, in a sauna or something like that. So I am very, very, very happy that I was able to save this podcast because I had backups. I have never met another podcaster that obsesses about his lighting more than Steven. I mean, it's, it's at another level, but I gotta admit, it's a pretty cool backdrop that he's got. He does change between the two and he's done other, like he's guested on Starling Tribune. He's guested on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and he does change the backdrop when that happens. It's pretty cool to have that capability and it's something that any hobbyist could really do. So if you're ever interested in that, Stephen will talk your ear off on it. But yes, he saved his podcast. Technology, the smart technologies, the Internet of Things is still new and if you delve into it, if you dive into it, so to speak, with the current batch of technology, it's getting a little bit more robust, but just know that you might have some issues from time to time and just be ready to go. But we also have one more thing that we're pulling from you besides how I save my podcast stories. That's right. It's the end of the first quarter. We're into the second quarter now, and we want to know how you are doing with your one goal for 2019 that you set with us back in November and December of 2018. A lot of you sent them into us. We want to hear how you're doing with those goals. And I have talked about one of my goals last time. I'll talk about another goal next time. Steven's talked about his goal. We want to hear from you. So please get us 
your stories about how your one goal 2019 is going. We'll talk about it on a future show in a couple weeks. Today, we have another great guest for our podcast, and we are talking to Daniel Hoogley, who has 10 years of audio industry experience underneath his belt. He works for Focusrite right now, and Focusrite is known to a lot of podcasters because of the great Scarlett 2i2 or their interfaces, and we're going to talk a little bit about hardware gear and audio gear. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate you coming on and making the time today to talk to us about all of this because the Focusrite name has definitely been amongst the podcasters for quite some time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I know that um, a lot of podcasters, including myself, are using uh, Focusrite, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to finally be embracing that community. Now, Focusrite's been around for a little bit more than podcasting, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been around since the early, uh, the mid-1980s. Um we were actually started by uh, Rupert Neve, um, who now has done some incredible things on his own, as we, as most audio engineers and audio professionals know. Um, he built a no-holds-barred, hold-no-cost-back console for uh, George Martin, uh, the Beatles producer. Um, and then that started the company. Um, and then in 1989, it was bought by our current uh, chairman, um, and he's um, brought the company to where it is today. And your office is in California, right? It is. We're uh, headquartered in uh, just outside of London. Um, but yes, my office, it's a sales and marketing um, and tech support office for the U.S. territory. Uh, we're in El Segundo, California, just outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, know that area well. LAX and 405. I can see uh, if I turned around right now, I could watch planes land. If you turned around right now, you have a palm tree behind you. That's what I your do. focus should be. I, I, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one that the audio listener is going to want to check out the video side of things and be all sorts of jealous. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a nice day here. I hate to, I hate to rub that in, but, uh, it was, I think it got into the seventies today. Oh, wow. What drew you aside from the temperature of El Segundo, what drew you into the audio hardware industry? You know, it was kind of an accident. I went to school uh, for audio engineering, Musicians Institute here in Hollywood. Uh, and, you know, I thought I was going to be like a rock and roll music engineer, uh, but that wasn't paying my bills. So I um, worked for a Grammy winning uh, guitar player just out of college, worked for him for a short time. Um, and then I got a job at a company called Manly Labs, and they make um, some boutique uh, hardware for recording. And, um, I, I was just there kind of, uh, uh, do it all around the factory. I would do all kinds of different things. I was talking to my friend today, uh, my first day on the job there, I tarred the roof. Uh, but then, you know, a few years into that job, I ended up moving up the ladder and, uh, I started the sales and marketing department, which there really wasn't uh, a sales and marketing department. Um, I moved in there and then they hired a VP and we uh, did some great things. Um, and then after that, I moved to another company that makes speakers um, and then landed here at Focusrite about three years ago. So wait a second, let's back up a second. So first day on the job, you're tarring the roof, yet you climbed the ladder after that to, uh, yeah. so how can you get higher than the roof? You know, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I climbed the, the, the corporate ladder as it were. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a weird first day. Um, 
funny side story there. I actually ripped my pants terribly and uh, had, it was a good way to break the ice amongst all the other workers there. I just had to go around and uh, be like, Hey, do you have any tape to help me fix these pants? Um, Cause I, I don't really want to leave on my first day. Uh, luckily they were very cool and they gave me some tape and uh, you know what? We all bonded over that and it, it became a great place to work. That's awesome. I, I love cooperative workplaces that everybody just has fun together and, and succeeds, you know, drives for whatever the purpose of the office and the company is there for. One of the purposes of your company right now with Focusrite is obviously to produce audio gear. And the reason why we're even talking to you is I saw a contest that a another company partnered with Focusrite to talk about a, a survey, which is closed now, but a survey for podcasting and podcaster needs and requirements. And that was awesome to understand that you and other companies are looking to hear from podcasters about what our requirements are. We are. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, like I was saying, we are based and rooted in, in music recording. Um, but it's really hard to ignore, uh, the presence of podcasters. And, and it was kind of funny. Um, it's been about a year that this has been something I've been very passionate about. Uh, I've been listening to podcasts for quite a while, but it's only been since it was the NAB show last year in Las Vegas, where, I went to the podcast pavilion, talked to a couple people. I went to one of the, well, a few of the classes there to learn more about podcasting. And then I started sponsoring podcasts as Focusrite um, and just trying to learn more, talking to other manufacturers um, and just trying to learn the workflows and the, the problems that podcasters have um, and seeing what I can help our team develop for the future. So it sounds like you've been into the podcast industry for a little bit yourself on a personal level. Is that true? It is. Um, I haven't recorded any podcasts myself, but I've been listening to a, a few for a couple of years. Um, and it, it's funny. Um, one of the things, uh, a podcaster that reached out to me when I was about two weeks on the job here at Focus, right? And you know, you know how it is when you first start out at a new company, you're drinking from the firehouse, right? Yeah. Um, and we were, I, I personally was so far removed from podcasting and thinking about working with podcasters, you know, it was, I still had that, I'm going to be a rock and roller mentality from, you know, back when I was going to be an audio engineer. Um, but I had a podcaster reach out to me and it was as simple as he wrote me the best worded email I've ever read. And it's something about that just it, it, it triggered something in my brain and made me want to work with this gentleman. Um, and he's been one of the best uh, influencers that I've worked with uh, to date. Um, it, he's a great guy. And his podcast is pretty, uh, pretty awesome. It's very inspirational. Um, and he uses Focusrite gear to record it. And so that makes me happy as well. <laughs> of course. So you listen to podcasts. What's your favorite podcast? And And we won't it uh, hurt you too much if you don't say better podcasting. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, better podcasting is a great one. Uh, I, I have to say, uh, especially this episode. Uh, <laughs> Aside from that. All right. You know what? My favorite, tr my favorite uh, podcast has the word nonsense in their tagline. Um, it's a hiking podcast. It's called The Trail Show. Um, and it's the first podcast I ever listened to, uh, and uh, starting about seven years ago, listening to this podcast and it's beers, trails, and nonsense uh, is what they, uh, they base it on. And it's mostly beers and nonsense with a little bit of trails and outdoors and camping and stuff mixed in. Um, but it's a, it's a great show. They have a format, but the format is kind of out the window once they have a couple beers, <laughs> um, 
if, if you haven't heard it, it's a great show. I, great people on it. I've talked to them, you know, off the record as well. And they're really great people. Uh, and I, I really enjoy what they're doing. They do some conservation work and, uh, and stuff like that as well, which I'm very, uh, which I support. And I'm assuming they use all focus right gear. They don't use all focus right gear. Um, I've been, I've been nudging them here and there trying to, trying to help them out. Um, and uh, I think they finally uh, have a piece of focus right gear they're using for their remotes, but they have so many, so many people on uh, that they have to use a traditional mixer uh, for their show. Let's talk a little bit about the focus right gear because that you have different product lines that actually could be used for this. I know the, what is it? The Scarlet 18 I 20 could be used in the, in that manner, but you have different levels of gear available for consumers. Sure. And, and to, to compare, you know, what the trail show is doing with a mixer, they like to mix everything and have that go into, uh, I think they're using garage band. They like to have that go in all mixed and everything like that. Um, with the Scarlet 18 I 20 is great. It has, uh, eight very nice sounding mic pre's. It has two headphone outputs. Um, and it, it'll get you great sound, but then you have to do a little bit of mixing. You know, if, um, you know, if you have eight microphones plugged in, you might have eight different, uh, volume levels, for people speaking. So on the, on the interface itself, um, and all Scarlet interfaces, it has something really cool that it has these gain halos, um, which the gain setting on the, uh, the interface, you turn that. And while you're talking into it at a regular volume, like I am right now, and once it starts glowing red, then, you know, you're, you're overloading that circuit or you're clipping. So you turn it back a little bit. So it's only glowing solid green, and then you don't have to look at it again. And then, you know, you mix it up in your, in your software after that, you can uh, adjust the levels, um, but it's it's really we've taken a lot of the the difficult stuff out. You know we've we've been doing this, uh, you know we've been in pro audio for thirty five years. A lot of that we're that knowledge that we've gained we're putting back into our products. One of the things that I've noticed that you've transitioned from the pro to more consumer level is you've taken the Claret series and you've transitioned it. I believe was it Thunderbolt to USB? Was that what you did? We did. It was a, a Thunderbolt uh, interface, um, but um, Thunderbolt sometimes doesn't work as well with Windows computers. So we wanted to give that um, the clarity of the Claret and the, the, the mic pre's um, and the air functionality, uh, which, which is a cool circuit that's on there. We wanted to give that to everybody uh, and make that available to everybody. Um, so we did come out with a USB-C version. It's USB USB 2.0 uh, with USB-C connectors. So it opens the doors for a lot more um, people in podcasting and in pro audio. And I know that you had a software plugin package that was either compatible with Pro Tools or you guys don't own Pro Tools, do you? We don't. No, we don't. So it's just a plug-in package for Pro Tools? So what we have um, with the Scarlets, we do give away um, a version of Pro Tools first. And it has it has some plugins that are really geared towards um, guitar players, but we're working to upgrade that package a little bit. Um, you, get, you get a lot of free software. You get uh, Ableton Live Lite. Um, you get a software version of our famous Red 2 and Red 3 compressor and EQ, um, the SoftTube time and, time and Tone Bundle. Um, we have something really cool um, called the Plugin Collective, um, which every two months we give you a license to a free plugin. Um, and that goes on and on and on. Um, I had an old interface that I bought a long time before I worked here. I registered that and I get the, the plugins every month um, or every, I'm sorry, every two months. Uh, they just get dropped into your account. You have to make sure you go and actually retrieve them within that two month period. 
Um, but you know, we've had some great stuff from like sonar works, uh, isotope, uh, eventide, um, a lot of the great pro audio, uh, plugin companies. Um, and I know this is a podcast, uh, focused podcast. So look out in the future. I'm doing the best I can to lobby to get some, uh, podcast focused, uh, plugins in there as well. I know isotope is a big one for the editors and the uh, producers, uh, that's some, something I use. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of people who have taken our advice on that because uh, we got that into our editing workflow quite quite a few years ago. Are you using uh, Ozone? Uh, I actually, I'm using RX Elements is the main ones that I use. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, cool. but we're looking for more plugins like D-Keyboard, D-Car, <laughs> D-Bang, <laughs> yeah, Deskbang, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, so. the, the Miracle plugins, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, add, add more excitement to the podcast plugin. Exactly. Um, hopefully we don't have a loud plane land here. Uh, so we have to deplane. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned earlier on that you've got your eyes on podcasting a little bit. Um, you had a bit of an event uh, a little while ago to do with sort of the announcement of that. Well, it wasn't really an announcement. It was more of a I don't know, being a pro audio company for so many years, um, we were try we were looking for a different display for the AES Audio Engineering Society show in New York that happened in uh, October of this year. I'm sorry, last year. Um, and um, we decided to have a couple of different stations instead of one big, you know, here we record guitars, we record drums, we record this. We had a whole station dedicated to podcasting with um, the traditional... Um, kind of set up with a with a computer using GarageBand. It had um, a Scarlett 2i2, which is uh, uh, the world's best-selling USB audio interface and probably the best-selling in podcasting as well. Um, and then we had um, a little less traditional mic-headphone combination. It was a Audio-Technica BPHS-1 headset, which, which works great if you're, um, you know talking with your hands a lot and you're looking away from the mic because the mic's just right in front of your mouth at that point. So that, that thing was great. Um, and it was really cool because people would come to the booth and they would thank us, uh, for having that display there because it made podcasters feel welcome. Uh, we had, uh, people from Gimlet media stop by, which I don't, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, they built a two and a half million dollar studio in Brooklyn, uh, they used a lot of our Focusrite Pro gear, the audio over IP gear that runs out on Ethernet cables and connects the different rooms. Um, and then, of course, they were just purchased by Spotify for what was it, two hundred and thirty million dollars or something like that. Um, but then we had people um, from Simplecast, who is a great uh, hosting uh, company. They came by, and I developed a great relationship with their team, and I've been working with them on a couple of uh, initiatives, and they are going to be. Uh, working with us to host our podcast. That's awesome. And I'm sure that all sorts of podcasters did see that might not have commented as well, but I know that seeing companies now looking at podcasting has been very appreciative by or appreciated by podcasters. So we've got a lot of people who are really excited about some of the things that the industry is doing now and actually saying, Hey, there's podcasting. We're looking at gear. We're looking at the industry. So we do really appreciate you uh, highlighting podcasting there. Yeah, and, and there'll be more to come in the future. Um, I noticed um, at the NAM show, which is a big music show, um, you know, I, I see you're using Audio-Technica mics. Um, Audio-Technica did have a big display for podcasters, and they have a podcast pack that they had on display at this music show. Uh, and they weren't the only company. You know, different different microphone companies were there doing the same thing. And some of the 
uh, some of my competitors were there doing the same thing as well. One of the things that has just rubbed me the wrong way about a lot of these podcaster packs over over the course of five years ago was that you would get these great interfaces or mixers and then you would pair them with these stupid condenser microphones and i say stupid because they're really good but they're really good and they will pick up all sorts of echo ambient sounds stuff like that give these podcasters and broadcasters some good dynamic microphones with these packages which i have noticed in the past year all these packs that had had condenser microphones now have dynamic cardioid microphones which i am super grateful for and that new podcasters will sound a lot better because of it uh, you know i i can't agree with you more uh you know a good condenser mic is great but it belongs in the recording studio and not the podcast studio in my opinion um i i like a, a good dynamic microphone um and uh yeah I, I fully appreciate what you're saying there Talking about good dynamic microphones, I just pinged on something that you said before, the Audio-Technica BP-HS1 headset. I don't know if you know this, because, you you know, better podcasting is your favorite podcast, but <laughs> I have used that podcasting on a boat, in an nice. airplane, in a mm -hmm. sauna. I've, I've used that thing in various different locations, and it does work for what it is. So if you're in a noisy environment, it does work. Well... I have to admit, I would be wearing that right now talking to you guys, but uh, the one that we have here, or we have two, uh, I had to ship to Vegas for uh, NAB for next week because, um, I, I, you guys might know, um, but Focusrite Pro, uh, one of our brands, is launching their podcast uh, very shortly after. Ooh. We're going to be recording our first episodes at NAB. Um, yeah, with a, with a launch coming on, on May 1st. So we have two of those headsets there, uh, that we're going to be using, uh, for two of our guests. Um, so yeah, there's more to come on that. I'm sure. That is one of the two types of microphones that I would recommend for a convention floor that or the Sennheiser MD 46. All right. Well, I hope, uh, I don't have the, the Sennheiser MD 46, but <laughs> hopefully the other mics that I have are, uh, going to be fine for the show floor, but, uh, we shall see. So on the notes of Focusrite Pro, what exactly is that? Can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners? Sure. Um, you know, Focusrite Pro is our, um, if you've heard of the Dante network, which is created by Audinate, um, it's a protocol that um, sends audio signals over Ethernet cable, so audio over IP. Uh, and it's really cool because it uh, allows us to have a bunch of modular boxes, um, and it works really well for larger facilities where you don't want to run um, a bunch of microphone cables. You can run... Um, excuse me, you can run a, uh, a single cat six cable, which, uh, anybody in it knows, you know, that's what you plug into your router, um, for your, uh, for your computer or in the old days, it used to be your, uh, plugged into your computer. Now everything's Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, did I just date myself a little bit? <laughs> um, but anyway, so you can run a single one of those cables and I believe it's 512 tracks in each direction, um, with very low latency. Um, yeah, Pro Tools or most of the DAWs or recording software can't really handle that many tracks, um, but the network is ready for it. Um, so we have a bunch of different modular options for those types of environments. Uh, like I was saying, Gimlet Media, they're uh, one of the podcast studios that is using that. Um, there's another podcast studio in Nashville that is using that. And we have a, actually, we have a press release coming out on that one in the, the very near future. Um, actually it'll probably be at NAB that press release comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, we have, we have a couple of great little, uh, microphone boxes and for the Focusrite Pro podcast, we will be recording on a Dante network 
um, just using uh, Dante Virtual Sound Card going into Pro Tools. Since we're, you know, we're all audio engineers, we're going to use Pro Tools. Uh, that's what <laughs> we're all comfortable with. So if you're talking to somebody that might want to be an audio engineer or in the audio hardware business in the future, what would you recommend they do? M maybe get a job as a roofer with bad pants? <laughs> uh, I would, you know what, I, I have to say, uh, get an education. Um, that's, that's pretty important. Uh, you know, it used to be you could go to one of the big studios and just intern for a while, but a lot of those big studios have closed and a lot of people are doing things from their homes now. So there's not really the big studio to intern in or learn from or, or you know, job shadow someone. So go to go to one of the, the music schools. Um, I went to Musicians Institute. Uh, there's uh, the Recording Academy. SAE has schools all over. Um, there's a there's a lot of different schools. Even Community College has some really good uh, audio engineering programs and you'll learn the basics. So that brings up another point. You know, you talked about all these great microphones, the fact that you don't have a Sennheiser MD46, which I think you're probably going to have to rectify eventually. But <laughs> right right now, as a burgeoning podcaster yourself and having all this great audio hardware experience, what's your favorite microphone? As of right now, and you know what, I, I will say since uh, the NAM show in January, um, people when i when i told people that we were going to start a focus right podcast different mic companies were just giving me mics oh, just wow. giving them just giving them to me um you know some of them i gave back um but there is one in particular that i gave back and then bought one for myself uh, uh and that's the uh, sure sm7b um wow and uh yeah i I'm, I'm gonna have to try out the sennheiser that's not one they did <laughs> not give me a microphone um but uh, i'll have to check that out um, you know, the, the one microphone that I was, uh, that was loaned over to me that I really liked was the, the SE 2200, but that is a condenser mic. And like you said, it picks up too much noise from the room. It, it did sound fantastic. Um, but not even moving, you know, well, I, I guess I had to move slightly. I could hear my chair creak. Um, but I, you know, I think I was just breathing and the I could hear the chair creak. So, um, but, uh, the SM seven B it sounds good with my voice. Um, one of the issues with that mic is it likes a lot of gain. Um, yeah. so a lot of people use, uh, something to boost that gain because most audio interfaces, including our own, uh, don't offer the 60 plus DB of gain that that mic needs. Um, so I, I use a, uh, SE electronics, uh, DM one dynamite, which, uh, gives you 28 more DB of gain, which is more than enough. Um, and, and it, it's a very nice linear, clean sound as well. Um, and then for my interface, I'm using a Claret, uh, eight pre, which is, uh, more than a, the, than the average podcaster needs, um, uh, you know, I have eight microphones you probably don't need and Claret, honestly, I would, I would urge, uh, any podcasters, beginners or otherwise to go with the Scarlet. They, they just seem to work better for the podcasters needs. Well, we appreciate you chiming in on that. And now our listeners and viewers will be going and Googling all sorts of things they didn't know that they needed. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you for taking the time to do this with us. Before we do wrap up, if any listeners or viewers do want to follow what Focusrite has going on or wants to get in touch with you about things that they'd like to see, what's sort of the best way for them to do this? Sure. Um, you know what? I, I had a landing page created. It's uh, focusrite.com slash podcasters. Um, so if you go there, it has some of our case studies. It has links to different products. 
Um, and then also on our site, if you go to our contact page, sign up for our newsletter. Um, and um, some, we send around surveys every now and then. Just make sure that you let them know you're interested in podcasting. Um, and I send out emails to podcasters with contests, um, educational information. We have some, uh, some great videos um, that we just uh, put together with um, uh, uh, the, some of the people from Simplecast. We had uh, Esprit Devora and uh, Addy Saucedo, who uh, is the podcast planner. Um, we had uh, them do some great intro videos for us. Um, those will be uh, on our YouTube page if you want to check those out, um, you know, for people just getting started. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on here. We do greatly appreciate it. And we can't wait to see what Focusrite has coming out in the future. All right. Yeah, no, I can't wait either. I can't wait to, to show you guys. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting Download. This week in the Better Podcasting Download, it comes out of a site, a website called Search Engine Land. It's an odd name, but actually a website that's quite reputable, and I've, I've looked at a couple of different times before. SP, have you? Have you? This is the first time I've seen it. Wow, this is great. I've always wanted to go to Search Engine Land. <laughs> it's the, the new version of Disneyland. There's attractions. You go through the park. It's like, look over here. It's the Google dashboard. Whoa. <laughs> and so is, is this like external for real life people looking at a monitor or is this like the matrix or ready player one where you get inside the computer like tron anyways it's called search engine land and uh there's all sorts of information over on search engine land and this one we wanted to bring up because of something that we thought might be worth thinking about as podcasters they posted an article that said the following on Friday, Google said it fully resolved the de-indexing issue that started on Thursday afternoon. But now Google is saying it is not fully resolved just yet and is still working on reprocessing a lot of the URLs that were delisted from the search index on Friday. Google suspects the issue should be resolved shortly and will provide another update when it's fully resolved. What happened? On Thursday, Google began to delist many URLs from its search in index. We notified Google of the issue on Friday after we saw an influx of complaints from the SEO community. SEOs, webmasters, site owners, and developers were noticing a nice chunk of their web pages no longer showing up in the Google search results. Their pages were being removed and they didn't know why. So this is why we wanted to actually bring it up here, because website pages were actually coming off of Google search. And this is a problem if you want people to be able to Google search your website. So if all of a sudden you were noticing this happening to your website last week, we wanted to bring this up. This was a known issue. The challenge was that after Google said on Saturday morning that it was fully resolved, None other than the man we've mentioned before, John Mueller from Google, actually sent out a tweet on the 7th of April saying that the issue wasn't fully resolved and they were still working on it. He did say that they were going to be getting it back in order pretty soon, but it is something that was being mentioned as still having an issue. 
Now, why we think this actually ties into podcasting, aside from the fact that your website might have not been viewable on Google search during this outage, was we wanted to think a little bit about how Google Podcasts operate. With Apple Podcasts, you have a dashboard where as a podcast creator, you go and you enter in your podcast and it gets indexed by Apple. Google Podcasts know they do all the exploring. They go and they search the internet and use the power of Google to index podcasts. And so this is a potential that if something like this happened, potentially it could affect your podcast from being found in Google Podcasts. Because if the Google Podcast works off of the Google search index, potentially maybe a podcast could be delisted accidentally. We're not saying that that happened in this. No, we have no confirmation of that. But it's an interesting thing to consider from the perspective that Google Podcasts is really the first one that is really trying to leverage their own indexing and not banking on people submitting their own podcasts. So this could potentially happen in the future if there's another situation like this. What would really concern me is if I am delisted and prevented from showing up in search results from somebody that's looking for a new podcast. Other podcasts might be listed and then the person that is searching will go check those podcasts out and then decide which one they want to listen to because you all start out with one or, or maybe a handful, but you only start listening to one at once, right? And you want to be that one. You want to have quality content. You want to be that one that they're listening to to begin with. And then they're like, yeah, cool. This is the show that I want to be listening to forever. And if you're delisted, even if it's by mistake, like an algorithm mistake or something like that, then you're not showing up in those searches. That would be my concern because I don't go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Overcast. I don't go to any of those and look for a new show. I will look for a new show on whatever search algorithm or search engine I'm using, and I will use word of mouth basically or if somebody is promoting their podcast and I happen to listen to it or whatever, but mostly it's me searching. Like I want to know if there is a podcast on rockets and I go searching for one and I actually find one and I start listening to it. And that's the one that I'm going to be listening to. So that's, and that's a true story, by the way, it happened recently. That's how I find new podcasts. I don't find new podcasts through any of the other means promoting is important no matter how you do it but searching through a search engine like google is a big deal and with google as you pointed out steven they're using that same indexing algorithm for google podcasts and the other thing that i want to mention with this is we here have actually talked a few times about how there have been troubles with the apple podcast model where they do have the full control it's absolutely i think a valid concern i've expressed it before i won't go down that rabbit hole again but I do want to highlight that a setup like how Google has it, where they're just going out and exploring content, isn't necessarily perfect either because of the fact that you still could find yourself removed if something like this affected Google Podcasts. So I wanted to mention it just because I do think that it's fair to look at that side of the coin as well. So if you want to read more about this, you definitely can. It's geeks.link slash delisted, D-E-L-I-S-T-E-D. 
There's actually a few hyperlinks to some of the previous articles that were being written while this was all happening. I think it's worth a read if you're interested in all in anything like this. There's a lot of good information on this about the indexing. And again, we wanted to mention it because it's worth thinking about as a podcaster. Plus, if all of a sudden your website was gone from Google, definitely wanted to mention that. We had a lot of great feedback, including a new review on iTunes. Yes, I'm saying iTunes. This is where I got it. iTunes, not Apple Podcasts, although it is also on Apple Podcasts. This review came from Jules24, and it was a five-star review, and it goes as follows, quote, great podcast. This podcast was in very informative and helpful. I already left a comment on a YouTube video, but I have to say that their advice should be taken for new podcasters. This comes from the Unfinished Basement Podcast, unquote. Yay, you left your podcast name in there so we could actually give you a little promotion there. So the Unfinished Basement Podcast. And we always encourage you anytime you send us anything or a review, if you've got a podcast, please do mention it because we are very happy to help support that, especially especially if it's a podcast called Why I Like Steven Better Than SP. I'm still waiting for that to happen because there's a thousand of the Why I Like SP Better Than Steven podcasts. I will say that the Unfinished Basement podcast is a Canadian podcast, so they're really excited about there being a Canadian podcast about podcasting, which is half true. Moving on to the Discord, we had a fun little comment back and forth with a couple people in discord about the l12 we had damien the dm say i've got an l12 question and he did tag me can you set the monitor level independent of the recorded level here's the specific use case we record audio from a program on my computer by and large this is for immersion while recording however and I don't understand the mechanics of why, it monitors really loud. I have the dial on the H6 set to like one or two, and it's almost too much. Then I bring it into my DAW, and it's super quiet. Like sometimes I couldn't even use it in the last episode because when I amped it up, it was distorted. Now, we did have a bit of information back and forth in here, including Sensible Salmon, who said, yeah, you can set monitor independent of recorded. Sadly, actually, none of the monitor outputs are recorded, only master send, which makes sense. I think it just makes me kind of sad. Now, the way that the L12 works, I just want to clarify that there are several analog outputs. There's essentially a A channel through an E channel, and all of those are meant so that you can have a different person plugged in to an independent channel where there can be different mixes so it is a music-based piece of equipment so like if you had a drummer that was plugged in you could go ahead and turn up certain channels so that they could hear those better than others or whatever you want so the l12 is very flexible that way where you can have a whole bunch of different outputs so as a podcaster if you have somebody who really likes to hear their own voice you can go ahead and have them plugged into one analog channel 
and turn it right up so that they can really hear themselves. Meanwhile, uh, you're listening through maybe the C channel and you can turn them right down because you don't like to hear them at all. That's how SP and I would record if we were doing this live together. Now, the recorded mix that goes to the SD card is before any of the faders, the individual volume sliders are set. So the ones that are actually going to the SD card and through the USB are before any of those levels. Now, they're after the gain. So there's gain knobs on there. So those gain, that gain will be reflected in the recordings, but if you go and you crank up, say in the master mix channel, you go and you crank that volume right up, it's not gonna be on the SD recording, except for one footnote on the SD recording and the multi-track USB, there is a track 13 and 14 that is the master mix, and it's supposed to be reflecting the master mix as you hear the master mix. So that should have everything applied to it. If you want to get into more full details on this, go over, ask me on the Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. I do enjoy talking about the L12. We also had a message from Sensible Salmon, and he said, how do y'all feel about cold opens? And there was a lot of back and forth, but we'll bring up one in particular. Jonathan Bloom said, personally, I don't like it just because sometimes I don't know what podcasts I'm listening to when I queue it up. If you do a cold open and then intro, I feel more okay with it. I auto cue podcasts and when driving slash walking, want to know what show it's on. Plus, the intro kind of releases an endorphin for comfort. That's interesting. You know, the endorphin for comfort thing. I, when I get into my car and I press play on a new podcast and then put it in drive and then drive off for work in the morning, I'm expecting to hear a certain intro. And if it's just a cold opening, I'm not hearing that intro as I drive away. I didn't really put that together, that it could be an endorphin for comfort. It, it really could be, Jonathan. I could be comforted by the endorphins of the podcast opening. And it's been several podcasts throughout the years that have been playing when I drive away in the morning. But I have definitely, whenever I hear those, I think, oh, cool. Because you're really starting off your day or starting off your trip. And you're starting off the podcast and it's all coming together. It's, it's a really good feeling. Lastly, in the discord, what we'll mention here is Josh Liston mentioned this on the heels of a discussion about microphones. He said at Stargate Pioneer, there was an early run of road podcasters that were actually really good. Dan Benjamin used to have some of his remote folks on them back in the day and they sounded great. Sadly, though, the quality of the podcaster has gone to rubbish the past couple of years. And this is in reference to the Rode Podcaster, the USB microphone, because it is different than the Rode Procaster, which is an XLR microphone. And this was based off of an article that was being talked about in the Discord channel. It was a fun conversation, actually, except for the article that we were talking about. <laughs> Also on Twitter, we had a tweet from Diami Plucky, which uh, it's been a while since we've heard from him, but he had some great news. He said, hey, at BetterPod, thanks for all the help with the Rode Procaster. It worked wonderfully for our field recording at the Texas Woodworking Festival. Steven, did you see the picture? I did. Did you see the picture? I did. And this was, <sighs> by the way, he said Rode Procaster, but he was talking about the Rodecaster Pro. Really weird naming Rode has. But yeah, he was talking about the Rodecaster Pro, which is the 
the device we've talked about that has uh, four different XLR inputs and a whole bunch of different things that we're not sold on yet. We'll leave it at that. We're not. A lot of people do like it. I mean, we're in in full disclosure. We are not. I am not recommending it for different reasons, but it's got some promise. So we're hoping that it can turn to the point where we can recommend it in the future, or at least me. Yes, I agree. I do hope that that's going to be the case, SP. If you got something you want to say to us, you can go ahead and tweet us at BetterPod, or you can head on over to BetterPodcasting.com and write us there, or jump into our Discord server at BetterPodcasting.com slash Discord. We would love to see you there. And just so you know, that is a Gonna Geek Discord server. We do have our own little avenue there, and we got a couple channels that are up the Better Podcasting audience alley but please come over there and say hi if you're into any geek content you might find there's some other awesome geek stuff happening there sp before we go i want to go ahead and take a moment here to plug and promote the network we don't often do that here on the show and we really should do it more but the gonna geek network has a bunch of amazing geeky podcasts on it we do have an application process. If someone's interested in joining, they can find that at gunnageek.com slash join. That's gunnageek.com slash join. And if you want, you can go ahead and apply to the network. And we have a new member on the network, right, SP? We do. Mr. Chris Osborne with the Play Comics podcast is a brand new to the gunnageek.com network. And you can find his shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. And his podcast, the premise of it, is he brings on a guest on the show to talk about a comic book character or comic book that has become a video game. Now, it might not necessarily be a recent video game, could be from 20, 30 years ago, but it's based on the comics, so they talk about the comic origin, they talk about the video game, they talk about the goodness and the badness of the video game. It's a really interesting conversation, and if you're into comics and video games or one or the other or whatever, it's, it's a great show. Chris does a wonderful job producing it, we're glad to have him on the network, glad he applied, and we're looking forward to great things. As he keeps saying, he's looking forward to more great things. Well, we're looking for great things from Chris as well. And once again, you can find that at GunnyGeekNetwork.com. So for episode 176 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying if you ever come by the live room at Geeks.Live, there's lots of errors that are made like the one I just made. And I'm SP saying I hope you have a great week and we'll see you all next week. Get us your stories. Tell us your one goal. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Better Podcasting. We want to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review in iTunes. We encourage you to check out all of the other geeky podcasts available at gunnageeknetwork.com. This has been a Gunna Geek production. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. this week's better podcasting download this one comes out of a website called liberty dude it was pre-recorded it was interview is pre-recorded sp well you know what 
it's time travel actually it's not pre-recorded time travel sp the shirt didn't change Wait. during the time travel thing it was it was really weird really odd it's so bizarre so bizarre <sighs> this week in the better podcast i better write down that at a point because you know i'm gonna forget to write that down aren't i yeah and i was gonna say that clap's gonna bug you in editing so you might as well do another take this week in the better podcasting download no <laughs> it's only yourself that you are making <laughs> do true. extra work <laughs> 